0: DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at DTCpod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to Trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG Organic Creative. Use the code DTCpod10 for 10% off your next content purchase. Are you curious how much your business is worth? Get your free, no obligation offer from OpenStore at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. up DTC pod. Today we're joined by Vasa Martinez, who's the founder and CEO of Perfy. So Vasa, I'll let you kick us off. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the beverage brand you're building and maybe some of your experience in the past as well?
1: Yeah, I'll start with the experience in the past and, and finish that up with Purfi. Um I started my career as an unpaid intern at Quest Nutrition. I was working in the nightlife industry after I graduated from UCLA for five or six years and there's no jobs. It was a terrible recession that we probably all remember. And I'd swallowed my pride, started working in the service industry, got tired of that, saw a literally an ad on Craigslist that said, unpaid marketing intern. I was like, yep, I'll do that. And going from making a ton of money in the, the nightlife industry to an unpaid intern was a bit of a, a, you know, a, a change, um, but ultimately was able to work my way in to a full-time salary and learn there for four years. After that, I was able to create my own social media marketing agency called Growth Buster, where I was able to learn a, a lot from a bunch of different brands that we've worked with, like Magic Spoon, Legendary Foods, Outer Al Gourmet, um, tons of other brands too. And then after four years, five years of that, I was winning a bunch of awards for the agency, not I like just me, like the team was. And I felt like just it wasn't doing the trick for my reason my personal reason for being. Simultaneously I had undergone a tremendous amount of loss from my mom getting diagnosed with a sickness to misdiagnosed to rediagnose, to losing my best friend to fentanyl, my old roommate of five years to, to suicide. And it was ultimately like about 18 friends and family members I lost in that course of five years. So I dug deeper and deeper into the agency and it's no wonder why the agency did well, but my personal health went to shit. So I wanted to do something that was a little bit more impactful and I'm a huge fan of soda. And I saw that there was a trending you know, type of soda out there for, for gut health. And I was like, well, I love soda and I need to take these supplements because I I don't take any prescriptions or anything like that. I'm not about, not even over the counter stuff. I was doing, I was buying like L-theanine and ashwagandha stuff, like pills. It's like, what if I applied these two things together and created a soda that's just as delicious as a full sugar soda, not even a diet soda, way more delicious than a sparkling water and had it be good for your brain. So that was the idea there. The there's the mental fitness market is three times the size of the functional carbonated soft drink market, so there was some strategy there in the positioning, but ultimately it was it was based out of need. And perfi is actually I didn't even tell you what perfi is. It's a, a low sugar enhanced with nootropics and adaptogens. Um, it's got l Indian and all all four flavors ashwagandha and two and turmeric and two.
0: No, and that's, it, it's it's so meaningful being able to work on a brand, not only you have domain expertise in, but also that has like personal meaning um, to be able to go after. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, and the the question that I'd have around that, um, that I'd kind of like to go into before we get into Perfy is like, let's talk about some of the agency stuff, right? Like, obviously, working with some of the top brands, you've been able to learn uh from kind of the best in the industry and help them scale up different initiatives so like what were what were you working on in the agency what were some of the initiatives that you were taking on with these brands and what were some of the key learnings that you were able to learn across all these multiple brands you were working with
1: yeah so i'll take it back to the beginning of growthbuster when it was just me sending a personal invoice to brands that i was working for it started with just uh, content creation and the why behind content creation. I like to say, you know, content within context, something along those lines. You can't just post pictures of your product. It's got to balance information and entertainment and a bunch of other things. And there has to be a goal behind it. And it's not just like a, a shot in the dark, let's go viral type thing, which a lot of founders kind of think can happen, especially that don't have the um, experience in CPG or in marketing in general. So I started very small with... Just content creation, building editorial calendars, getting the post up, writing the copy, staying on trend with pop culture. So memes that were trending in 2017 aren't necessarily memes that you wanna go with today. And then um, did that for a year, it went well. I started hiring people. Uh, I hired one of my best friends at that time. Uh, it was 2018. So he, uh, he came on and that was great to have another you know, resource. I had you know two guys that worked with me at Quest Nutrition helping out on the side. And it wasn't until 2019 where I saw this cereal brand that hadn't launched yet, it was February of 2019. I was like, Magic Spoon, that looks pretty pretty freaking cool. Low carb, we specialize in like low carb keto, especially all that information that we learned at, at Quest. And I was like, hey, I don't know what you're up to, but it looks pretty cool, can we chat? And we, we chatted for like a month and a half, we ended up working with them, we still do. And that was like the next phase of GB where we've tacked on like influencer and we graphic design and we even helped out with retail initiatives and basically getting reps in all sorts of different areas of marketing. Like the only thing we don't do is build websites for the most part. And, um, we worked with other brands, like outer I was a good one that we worked, we started working with at the same time. I ultimately became their CMO and they were a small mom and pop shop, you know, doing X amount per month. Now they're doing 5,000% more than that from when we first started. So it's a lot of different repetitions in different areas um, that one I may or may not have known. And if I didn't know it, I figured it out. Uh, That has been able to give me the, you know, the repetitions I needed to be comfortable starting my own thing.
2: So when you say content, is this creative assets like videos, images? um, Is it graphic design? You know, what does it, what does it touch in the creative realm?
1: So at first it was just organic social. And if they wanted to run it as an ad, it was theirs. When they, when they work with us, they own their content. I don't own it or license it to them. Um, and then it ultimately graduated to, hey, this asset really performed on organic. What if we tested it on paid? And that turned into, okay, we need to start creating organic and paid. If something performs on organic, we wanna take that, repurpose it for paid. And this is before like the huge U- UGC trends of today. So, the studio style photography, different RTBs or reasons to believe, you know, punching them in there, or it's like animated text overlay. That really started working. We also brought on a designer. He still works with us today, but um, not as an employee. And he actually does a lot of the Perfy stuff. Um, he does everything. He wrapped the Quest Nutrition food trucks. I just got a food truck for Perfy, um, and he's going to wrap that. Um, he does, you know, POP displays. He does shelf talkers. He does barrel coolers. Um, so, we have the capability to really like have that in-store disruption. What we don't do is obviously print them. Like I don't have barrels in my garage that we, you know, take, put the sticker on or whatever. Like we, we outsource that to people who actually do that, but we give them the designs. So it really doesn't, um, we do a lot of graphic design these days, even, you know, some of the stuff you see on gigantic candies, uh, social, pretty cool stuff, 3d looking stuff. Um, it's, it's really evolved in from just organic to paid to, to print.
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, this is this is my space, so I want to dive a little bit deeper into yeah. it. Um just given what we do at Trend, how do you how do you guys how and how do you think about, you know, this whole thing about ugc a lot of people think like ugc is a new thing but i personally think it doesn't have to replace good quality creative you know it's not it's not like the form of content it's just one vertical of content but creative touches a bunch of different elements and it's all used for different you know contexts behind a specific marketing campaign or resonating with a specific audience it also doesn't work for all audiences so how do you guys view that um because you could also do really beautiful imagery for example especially if it's social organic and it might not hit it might not work so how do you balance those two in terms of performance versus very beautiful content
1: I think you really have to deconstruct the creative and you got to think about a couple of things. One, what's the exhibition of it? Some people think that, like, for instance, I'll give a bad example, the UGC video that you paid somebody on whatever platform to make for you and you gave them a some sort of script, that's not going to work in an email. Like, you're not going to put that video in email. So the exhibition of it matters. If you're going to run it unpaid, it makes sense. But I think where people fail is in the creative creative brief process. So part of a creative brief is where is it going, the exhibition of it but they don't really like chime into what problem are we solving what's the goal and most importantly what part of the funnel are we in so from a creative perspective if you're running certain ads top funnel middle funnel and bottom funnel you're saying different things you know the top funnel might be a, this is why we exist here are some cool things about our product this is a problem we solve you might be saying different things down further in the funnel ultimately about ugc i i believe personally and i'm probably a big detractor in this space I think it's a bubble right now. I think there's too many people that are saying that they're UGC creators that know how to use an iPhone. And that's cool. That's a cool new creator part of the industry or creator economy. But the education process of working with all of these, you you really need somebody that can say, hey, here's the brief. This is everything about the brand. The problem is so many UGC creators are working with so many brands and they're trying to pipe out so much content that you really can't get anything meaningful. And there's too many people that are speaking in absolutes so it's there's a lot more that goes into it in my opinion hope that kind of helps
2: yeah no for sure i think you know the 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 bubble part resonates in the sense that some creators say influencers throw out like a thousand dollars for a video of like ugc or something and they're going straight out uh, off because they're an influencer and they're getting a bunch of inbound for influencer posts and stuff like that it's like no you cannot bake in the price of your audience into this stuff and so um i i totally empathize with you in the sense that there is a bubble even you can see it in the rates um and so everyone is just jumping on but it all ties back to what i think is you hit on it's like some brands just heard they need creator content, but they haven't asked themselves the question: What are we? What do we need this creative for? Um, and it's something we see in our platform internally too. It's like, well, I don't know. We just need creator content.
1: Yeah, I think, and I, I might be wrong, and I'm, I'm always I'm always happy to be wrong because um, I'll I'll learn from that. But there's a difference in seeing Chris Paul having endorsements with XYZ brands with Jumpman and with Allstate or State Farm or whatever it is and whatever brands. You don't feel as though it's inauthentic. You know that's the drill. You're an athlete, you're making millions and millions of dollars, you have a huge, huge platform. You get paid to work for brands. But when it comes to UGC, for me, when I see the same creator you know, with different brands, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know if I trust that brand. And sometimes you'll even see founders or family members of founders. And you have to really be in the business to know. So I, I get it. It might make sense for the customer, but they're pre- pretending to be customers. So what I think that needs to happen is a little bit more transparency with it. You'll see a lot of ads on TikTok ads and and a meta where it says, you know, the people showing up in this video were paid for their time or whatever. But I really think what needs to happen is a disclaimer. This person actually purchased the product. They weren't gifted it. And I think that We'll settle things.
2: So you know, just to just to shift gears, um, not make this a UGC podcast, but sorry, um, uh, (laughs) no, all good. How do you, as a creative agency, then view, let's say, you know, high end creative agencies, then view when they need a model for any of their shoots or anything like that? Like, what is that crossover there?
1: So with my agency, I try not to show above the smile, and that's just a personal, creative, subjective preference thing. So you can't really see if we're using the same person and different assets across different brands. We try not to, we try to try to rotate models every single time. And we actually, we used to shoot a lot of models before COVID hit. And there's just still some legalities in California around the risk that I don't want to take. So we don't really shoot them as much anymore. But if we do, it's usually for the most part, like nose to smile down. And I don't think that that waters anything down. Sweet.
2: Well, I think, you know, um, Speaking of of creativity and, you know, that's in your nature to be a creative, um, to not necessarily be tied specific to, specifically to a spreadsheet and performance and, and let the creative resonate with people. How has that influenced how you've built Perfi? I know you guys have, you know, are doing a collaboration with Doodles. Now it totally makes sense. Creativity is in the roots of everything you do. Um, How did you implement creativity into Perfy from the very beginning? So
1: I think there's two foundational elements of of creativity for a food and beverage brand. I I don't really speak outside of that because I just don't know those things well. I speak always in the lens of food and beverage. And for me, the foundational element of creativity is how do you set up your positioning statement? To me, that is the Rosetta Stone of any brand. And there is a positive correlation between brands that know that, like the back of their hand, and how well they do, and the brands that are figuring out, like everyone's figuring it out. I figured it out for a period of time for Perfy, But the faster you can get to that, there it is, the better chance of success that you have. So the first part, finding out what's Perfy's positioning and how do I speak to that? It was all from the customers, people that I sent samples to. They called it a certain way. They said certain things. I took those cues. I got advice from people and boom, Perfy 2.0, nailed it. Actually, Coca-Cola gave me advice on Perfy 2.0, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and the second part of that is how, does it, how do you visually represent that, for, that foundational creativity? How do you bring a positioning statement to life? And just, I always plug this book. I have to, I don't get paid by her, but it's Forging an Ironclad Brand by Lindsay Peterson. It was a huge unlock for me. She's amazing. I emailed her, said your book changed my life. She was like, oh my God, that's so cool. I sent her Perfy. She loved it. Her kids loved it. So uh, epic book and Warren Jolly from Ad Quadrant um, put me onto that. So bringing that to life, the second part of creativity, I think it's important to do things differently, even if you fall on your face. So what I did was I I searched for months. I felt like I was like the coach K from Duke recruiting a creative to do the branding for Perfy. So I found somebody in Australia was had several different directions. And that I gave her like the brief. It was so in-depth. It's like a huge mood board. This is what I want to feel like. I told her it was named after my mom, a nickname for my mom. So we wanted to make it feel very happy. And, and Perfy is all about being happy. Like our little tagline is for a happy you and everything around what we create is has to be either funny and show a sense of personality without being overly slim Jim or just beautiful. And I don't and I honestly I don't care that people are uh fudding organic social particularly Instagram, I'll post those studio style shots up all the time, but I'll have a different hook to it. I could go into my philosophy on organic social and why I think still, still work, Uh, but yeah. So I think this, I think they still work because most brands post pictures of their product. But if you get down to why this picture exists, there's micro stories you can tell in each photo. Um, I'll give an example. There's one photo I, was, I wasn't too big of a fan of for perfy It was like um, our photographer had his hand squeezing a blood orange and it was like the juice was going into the can. I was like, damn, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. There's no context behind it. But I was like, oh, it's not from concentrate. Perf- None of perfy's juices are from concentrate. So I told an educational story about it being not from concentrate, why that's important to the customer and why that's better for them. And that that still crushed. So I think the reason people are fighting organic social so much, particularly Instagram yeah, we have to pay for more reach or you just have to crush it. Honestly, I think better content crushes it. Um, there's two things. Your caption and your your visual have to tell a story and they have to be in sync. And if it's, if like just think of like the recycle symbol, like, and when you're looking at your, at your phone, if those things are in sync, typically meme formats, the reason why they get so many likes is they're in sync. There's like the tweet thing, there's the picture, then there's a comment. And you're like, damn, that's hilarious. I'm going to laugh because all of that's talking together. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is, I think people are looking at the wrong goalposts. I think people are looking at likes and comments still. For me, what's more important is saves and shares. I want I want to know that Ramon shared that my post with Blaine. I won't be able to see that it was you, but I'll be able to see that people were sharing it. And people aren't looking at those anymore. Example, it just happened this week with the agency. Social Blade doesn't even measure saves and shares. It measures likes and comments, and then it calculates your engagement rate. And we had to say, hey, it's not calculating that. That's why it seems lower. But even so, like there's, there's more things to look at. So sometimes if you reframe how you think of KPIs and get out of those 2015, 2017 ways, like, oh, this is actually working. And I think people haven't identified their goals yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like this podcast, like that was fire. Um, You know, people might, we, we will see all the downloads and everything, but this podcast might get way more shares. And that's actually something that Blaine and I look at too and even today Blaine I think we were talking about it like the shares is probably one of the strongest metrics because you know you're gaining fans um you know it's resonating um with with people and um yeah I think you know or it, it, when it comes to organic social I think some companies What are your thoughts on companies that are solely using that as their growth strategy? Like only organic social. Um, Do you think it's possible to scale organic social? Uh, You know, another way to frame this question is like, how do you do organic social at that level of quality that you're talking about and creativity with high volume?
1: It's all about planning. Um, Some people are against planning. You know, I I can't say that I use my agency's editorial calendar for Perfy the way that I should but I have it in my brain and I don't have a team yet. So I can kind of get away with that and I can be really, really nimble. Um, But I think when it comes to a brand, I think organization is key. And I think that the more that you are diligent in saving your content out, like let's say me and like we're all hanging out, we're in Venice Beach or wherever. And if we're content creators, like we have somebody there recording everything and you store that you never know how much repurposing you can do with that sort of stuff. So having that, like a bank of content is important. Identifying your content pillars is important. Is this informational? Is this educational? Or is this a hero post? I have something called a hygiene post. Like a hygiene post is a base hit. You don't need to win baseball games with home runs. You can win with base hits. And your, your feed needs some of those. The problem is there are certain founders that see a base hit and they're like, what happened there? That was a failure. And I think people get in their own way, but if you're open-minded and you're understanding that that's just a content pillar that typically doesn't perform, but is important for the whole, then you could get a lot further. To answer your question specifically, uh, Perfie is completely organic social. It's organic social. Perfy has its own podcast. That's our anchor. I study a lot of B2B to run B2C. That's like my biggest kind of secret that I have. Some people study other brands. Some people study their competitors. Hell no, I'm going to a different industry. I want to know what the SaaS companies are doing. And I apply that to perfy So I do think it's possible to scale. I think that we're unlocking hundreds of doors. I'm not running any ads. I've cut pretty much all of my spend. I needed to be diligent in how much money I have in the bank and what that runway looks like. And I think it is, yeah. But if you're a D2C brand, probably probably not so much unless you unless you really hit it. Like brands I think of that really hit it out the gate, but they were still spending. Graza. Shout out to Kendall magic spoon crushed out the gate that day. I, I swear I'm, I haven't asked Gabby yet, but I'm going to ask him to be on the perfect podcast so we can talk about that first day. Cause there was some funny stuff that we, it was just amazing just to see expectations kind of surpassed. Um, but I think 100% it's just a matter of, again, it goes back to the operators. If you think that you need to run your business as a D 2 C brand, when you should be focusing on retail and maybe have a website that's doing, you know, some sales, it's different than being a 100% D2C native brand, and I think that people just need to identify that.
2: Yeah, I love that. I mean, like, why are only enterprise B2B companies doing webinars for their customers? Like, why not? Why not do an educational webinar on gut health for D2C brands? All it takes is taking the head out of the butt and just looking at something completely different.
1: I, I always tell this story when I when I was younger. My I have five older brothers. They always taught me how to play sports. And when I was playing baseball, they always say, don't look at that guy's swing. Don't look at that, don't look at their swing. It's gonna F up yours. When I play basketball, don't look at that person's jump shot. It's gonna mess up your mechanics. Anything, like if we were working out, don't look at that guy lifting weights, focus on your set. It's always like, I do enjoy like seeing what other people are doing just to be in the know. But I think being aggressively yourself, and even if yourself, I'm being aggressively perfy. Perfy is aggressively itself. I think there's a way that you can stand out. And break through the noise doing that.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, Vas. I think that is really foundational for for a very smart founder, like a trait to have. Because I mean, it's something that is a core kind of mission pillar for us in the podcast. Right? We want to bring. We don't want to yes, we're the D2C pod, but we don't want to just bring on founders of D2C brands that do things the same way every single time because that content would get boring. Uh, You know, we want to bring in marketers from consumer social. We want to bring in founders from B2B and like be able to apply all these different learnings and tips from growth, from brand, from marketing, from all this across because that's going to be the best way to learn. And then you might hear something and you might have an unlock in your brand and be like, oh, wait a minute. If I apply that in my lens, and I'm being myself, that's going to give me a leg up on the competition because if you're just doing the same thing that every other brand does, right? Like you're by definition going to be
1: behind the ball. 100%, 100%. It's another saying that we had at Quest. I learned this from Tom and Nick. It was ideas in equals ideas out. So the more that you've fed your brain and like your your strategy and all of that, the more things are gonna come out of that. So
2: that's why that's why there is such an interesting crossover happening between Web3 and and DDC, because it's like, hey, we're all trying to reach mass consumer, but this is a completely different vehicle to be able to do this and the creativity is endless. Where do you draw creativity from today? Wait, hold on. And and then, yeah, exactly. There we go. The Doodles, the Doodles Perfy. So as, where as do you as, draw like, creativity from today? And then, then how did this whole Doodles thing come about?
1: Um, so the creativity comes from just hundreds of ideas that got shut down in the past 10 years, whether it's from Quest or whether it's from um, being an agency owner. Um, how Doodles came about is I took some time off into December, in December of last year. I wanted to take five weeks off, so end of November, all the way through Christmas and i had to focus on some health things and in that time i wasn't dealing with hundreds of emails per day and all of this stuff building perfi and getting liquid in cans i was able to finally sit down and say i know this is something like i'd been investing in crypto for a while my brothers were mining bitcoin in like 2012 or something Um, but i first started investing in crypto in 2017 and it's actually something that helped like i sold a lot of my crypto to get perfi off the ground and I wanted to study what's what's going on in this NFT world. What is Web three? To be honest, I didn't know. And the first thing I did was study for like three or four days. Every time I got back to my hotel room, and then I was like, okay, I think I got this. And then I saw Dylan Francis post a doodle, and he influenced the hell out of me. So I went on Doodles. I was studying for another day after I was on Doodles. I was like, which one am I going to buy? And landed on the one that this one right here. And ultimately, I was like, wait, with NFTs, can't you, like, you own that. And Doodles has limited, right, like, holder rights. Um, Board Ape has, like, I think unlimited. I was like, I own that. I own Perfy. I'm going to put my Doodle on a can. So if you look on my Twitter or, or Perfy's Twitter, you'll see, like, December 8th or 9th, I post it on the can. I post some random fake out-of-home billboards that like, says, you're Perfy, dude. And shit started taking off. Like people in doodles were like, make, do mine, do mine. So we I still have hundreds of requests to have people's doodles or other NFT projects put on a perfect can, and you'll see how it's evolved since then. And, um, so I knew that I was going to do something with it. And the way that I think about using in this case, like creative, so NFT creative, I think of web three as a technology. I think of NFTs more like art. I was like, I'm going to put this on my limited edition can. So this is an evergreen flavor but it's going to be a limited edition can just the way Marshmallow did something with Coke it was limited edition label run. This one, the evergreen branding looks just like other Perfy branding, but it looks kind of like this too. just no doodle on it, because I have limited revenue that I can make from it. So the way that I think about using NFTs is as ambassadors. So Dr. Perfi is now an actual person as much as she is doodle 3966. She is now Dr. Perfi. So when people see her they're like, Oh, that is not that, that soda. It's a doodle sh- for sure. But as a holder, I want to bring value to the community and try to turn her into the next Bart Simpson or Lisa Simpson. So that's how I try to bring value and use other IP to build a brand without having to pay a celebrity to be on the cam.
2: That's one of the coolest applications I've seen.
1: Thank you. There's um, Her origin story is pinned on Perfy's Instagram where she goes up to a vending machine in like this metaverse looking world and Perfy pops out and she's like, like she takes a sip and like the check mark hits her in her face because one of her main traits is the check mark. It's pretty cool.
0: No, I love that. And I think it just goes back to that philosophy you were talking about, about like being open-minded, taking, uh, studying and investing and learning in different channels and seeing how that can apply to what you're doing, right? Because that's a much more innovative way of thinking about uh, NFTs and consumer than uh, than a lot of things, so I think that one that's really cool. The next thing I want to go into is after doing all that learning, after realizing like okay, there's a cool opportunity here between uh, you know. The doodle and like being able to put it on a can create a limited edition run that sort of thing like what did you what did you see as the opportunity between and crossover between nfts and cpg in terms of like the loyalty and retention um as you kind of think about growth in the future
1: so we launched our loyalty cards Uh, i think the easiest way to describe it is a is kind of like starbucks has loyalty cards they're actually doing kind of the similar thing but starbucks has prepaid cards it's actually pretty creative what they do. People put, you know, 10, 20 bucks on it. There's always like 17 cents a dollar left over and they have hundreds of millions in the bank from those. Um, and people never really redeem the last little bit. So it's kind of like that, or it's kind of like, um, if you go to Dave and Buster's and you load up a card for, for games. So Perfi's loyalty program took concepts that exist, but uses web three technology to empower the consumer. So right now it's hidden on the site. Only people who have been airdropped a perfy loyalty card. There's five tiers. There's bronze for people who've purchased one since launch. There's silver for people who've purchased three times since launch. Gold, five, platinum, seven, and diamond, 10. All of them are going to give different perks on the back end of the website. So you'll be able to get limited edition merch, limited edition discounts that other people can't get. Those links won't be available to the random shopper that comes to the site. On top of that, one of my goals is to as this gets bigger, I don't want to use discord. I want to try to create something on the back end of the website, almost like like think old school AIM. Like I want to create something like that on the back of the website where people can share different uh, things with outer One of our brands, we have nine or 10,000 people in a Facebook group, and we almost don't even need CX anymore because everyone's answering each other's questions. So my goal is to take this technology, gate things with like the key. So your NFT is your, your key to unlock. You connect your wallet is, oh, they have the Perfy NFT or the Doodles NFT or whatever NFT, and they can access certain things that the general customer can't. The goal there is really gamification and lifetime value. Again, I'm not going to be spending a ton of money trying to acquire customers to buy online, but I want to be able to have a place or a home. Like think about it. The way I think about it is after school playground, <clears throat> you go home. Your friend's mom would fix like a grilled cheese sandwich. I want it to feel the way that felt but I'm using Web3 to do that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's such a cool application. What's the, uh, what's the technology you are using to build it and, and gate that ex- entire experience?
1: I'm glad you asked, Novel. So there's two out there, both of them are really cool. Um, there's Taco and Novel. I ultimately went with Novel, because at this, the time I needed it, it was ready to go. But the guys from Taco are great as well. And what they do is, it's a, like a, a headless, codeless application. It's an app on Shopify. Um, shout out to ish from novel. He helped me set this up for the past few months and it's pretty seamless. The it's just an app that you trigger. It's, I think to be honest, uh, subscription platforms were harder for me to use than novel. You pump in your artwork. You can connect like the way I connected doodles to be able to unlock the gate. It was pretty seamless. Um, yeah just it was it was easy you know that,
0: that's that's awesome to her here we've heard great things about novel um so that's really cool and then the other question that i have this isn't more of a question but just like it's, it's just me kind of thinking about it like if you guys are doing these like limited edition cans is there a way you could like do stuff where you you like do challenges where you have like random limited edition cans that find their way into like retail distributors and those like unlock like different nft levels like someone might just like end up in this one grocery store and be, find the lucky can that unlocks sort, some sort of experience?
1: So I'm doing the first part of what you said. This was going to roll out into a retailer the end of September early October and I plan on it being the only one that can pick it up unless some of the smaller independents that gave Perfia a shot want to grab it. I'll, I'll give it to them too but I gave it to a certain retailer that picked up all four of our SKUs and it's going to be three evergreen branded Purfi cans and this is going to be sitting right next to it. The second part of that is like having a QR code on the can to go to another experience. I haven't got there yet. I, didn't, I just, I didn't want to rush it. If I do anything, I want to do it right. Or if I, I just, I didn't want to risk this particular kind of execution, but yeah, I think there's a world where you can scan a QR code and uh, redeem something or go to a different experience. That's limited to people who have bought it. The only thing is one thing about QR codes on cans for things that you want to like people to feel FOMO, anybody that scrolls through, Uh, a store can kind of scan that QR, couldn't have it. So I haven't really thought through what that ultimately looks like, but 100%, this this will be on a shelf in somewhere in the next four or five weeks.
0: Yeah, that would, that would be super cool. I, I feel like it's like a combination of like Charlie and the Chocolate Chocolate Factory sort of Willy Wonka thing. Plus, like I think didn't, didn't snap I'm, or like Pepsi back in the day, they would do like crazy giveaways and you'd have to like get in. It. Obviously, it's different in a bottle. You open the cap. So maybe maybe cans aren't the right form factor for it right off the bats. But um, it just sounds like there's going to be down the road. There's going to be so many cool opportunities. Like, should you be able to like unlock the the first part of it? In the in the journey,
1: I think so. I think I think um, well funded brands will have the means to do a lot more from a logistics perspective. Thinking through, like people ask, "Well, can I put my NFT on your can?" And f- like the 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 co manufacturer that makes perfume, I'd have to have a limited quantity of cans. Someone actually asked, "I was like, this is what it will cost you." They're like, "Never mind." Like I, I, I'm not. They're like, "I'm not going to do that." So you have you got to order a certain amount of cans, a certain amount of labels, have a certain amount of line time. It's possible, but the person has to have the bankroll to to make all of those logistics make sense.
2: Yeah, because you're not gonna take on that yourself when it's not even you're not invested into the equity of that NFT.
1: I'm down to support. I know there's ways to do it on a small level, but even then, when I said I think I know a way to do this, there's a resource that I that I have in my Rolodex that I can probably reach out to get one can made. But this is what it's going to cost you, and they're like, nope, don't want to do that either. So either way, it's, it's very expensive to get that bespoke. Like you've seen the Coke cans where it's share Coke and it has people's names. They've never had a Vasa. So I just don't buy them. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, there's a lot to think through when it comes to this stuff. Like it's months and months of time.
2: Where are you guys currently selling? Uh, you sell, you sell DDC. Uh, you sell retail. I don't, I can't remember if I've seen you guys in Austin uh, or or where I've seen Perfee, but we're, are you guys nationwide yet or not?
1: Not nationwide yet. We're we've got a lot of interest on the East Coast. I'm from SoCal, and I'm just waiting for that to to happen because, again, I just got access to an ice cream truck, and I'm going to switch that to my personal car. I think until I get you know pulled over for red and dirty, um, but but yeah, it's we're in Foxtrot. We just rolled out. We landed there last week. Um, at the distributor and then it should be on shelves very soon. I haven't heard any news that it is yet. We landed at a distributor for ShopRite in Jersey on Monday. So those should be on shelf pretty soon. I-, I would say as early as Tuesday. We're rolling out into our biggest chain that we landed. Um, at the end of middle of September, we'll be in two of those doors for a, like a test to make sure all the all this barcodes are working and everything like that. And then there'll be 137 more and that will have Dr. Perfy too. And then we have significant interest from other retailers, just ironing out what that looks like. And I've also held until I got my 2.0 cans. The 1.0 cans, I made a rookie mistake on the execution of the label. I just rushed through it. I was like, let's just get it out there. We'll figure it out later. In hindsight, I I wouldn't change anything. But I wanted to wait for the bigger, like like the, the professional big leagues. Um, for 2.0. And we're just starting to kick into high gear.
0: Vasa, one one question that I have is, or, or one point I kind of want to backtrack to that I think is really important is you were talking about how important brand positioning is, right? Positioning, not, not, in, term, not in terms of just your brand, but in terms of your content, how you develop and tell stories and all this sort of thing. Um, obviously, the soda space is a competitive space. It's competitive to get into retailers. Um, there's a whole bunch of startups who are creating different products and the functional soda space Space, in the um, you know and competing for limited retail shelf space so how do you think about like when building the brand for Perfy? like how do you think about you building your brand positioning so that not only can you be competitive but you're gonna be able to like really um you know really crush it compared to everyone else who's who's playing in, in the same field
1: so this the soda space right now remind functional soda not like the legacy soda but the the functional Soda space right now reminds me a lot at when I was at Quest Nutrition. There was always a bar popping up. We're like, is that going to be the one? Because we were really looking for uh, the Pepsi to our Coke or the Coke to our Pepsi. It's a pretty fitting uh, analogy. And it wasn't until one bar came along we are like, okay, I I think that's the one that's going to be solid. So all of these sodas that are coming out, they're positioning themselves as prebiotic or probiotic. There's two main players in in gut health soda. They're great. They've they've created this category, and I'm super grateful for it because, you know, they knock down the doors. And I don't think anybody is positioned for brain health. There are people in other types of functional beverages that are that are going in that direction. I think it's great. I think it's needed. But it was it started at the beginning. There's the last thing I wanted to do was be another. Ollie popper or, or poppy i love them my guy i drink them they're they're all they're solid but i wanted to do it differently i wanted to have a different liquid i wanted you know the ldien to speak for itself the ashwagandha the turmeric and i wanted it to be for your brain because again it was a need that i had and i made it in a way that kids can drink it and enjoy it like i was just at a friend's earlier today having a meeting and he was like every time you send it it's gone like we have parties at our house for our kids and they're gone so it's safe for kids to drink And it's safe for adults to drink. But not only that, the time of day that you can drink it is pretty much any time of day. The blood orange usually drinks almost like a non-alcoholic mimosa, but way tastier. And there's no caffeine. So you could drink it at night and not worry about staying up late. So I think a lot of these things were important for me. Another thing was to be not from concentrate. When you have a concentrate juice, think of it like as you just squeezed an orange juice. Imagine extracting all of that water, freezing it, shipping it to another place, adding water back in, stirring it and then putting it in your drink. That was a big point of difference for me that I I just, it was part of the guardrails in my brand creative brief. These are the things that I don't want to have. I don't want to have more than five grams of sugar. I don't want to have more than 30 calories. I don't want to have X, Y, and Z. And one of those was not from concentrate. Although I may consider it in the future if the drink is like solid enough and I can't get it in and not from concentrate. So all of that came down to positioning. I wanted to be a brain health and these are my guardrails. You
0: no, know, I, I love that. And I think that just knowing that in terms of the positioning and knowing exactly where you fit into like the mental fitness space, for example, it's, it's so important. Um, and then being able to say, I think also what you, what you're talking about in the, Brand brief is like all these trends. Like from what I'm seeing, it seems to be on trend with the way the market sort of evolving, right? Like people want healthier alternatives. People want less sugar, less caffeine. Um, being able to have something functional and being something that's like healthy for you. So I think in terms of the directionality of that, uh, I think that's really important. And then being able to lean into it with the brand storytelling, like like you were saying. So now now that we've talked about like the general brand positioning, how do you characterize your like how do you bring that story to life throughout your content and your other sort of materials um that you're distributing one, one thing
2: i want to add to that is that vasa strikes me as like a category defining person just like based on a few things Thank he you. said like you know looking at other industries um mental fitness is like something i haven't heard in the beverage space um so it it seems like you you you, you paved the way
1: thanks man um I, I know there's other drinks that like focus on like, like let's, perfect example, pre-workout. Who knows if that's helping you focus at the gym? All I know is that the niacin makes my skin burn. I try to stay away from that and I get way too jacked up and hyper. Like when I'm hyper, I'm always cracking dad jokes. It's uncomfortable for everybody. But for me, there was no, like one of the biggest things, it was May of last year as I was just formulating with R&D. Um, there was a podcast I listened to, and they said, "Who's going to step up and save soda?" Because a lot of these beverages, if you look at their statement of identity, um, you know they'll say different things like prebiotic sparkling drink or prebiotic tonic or a sparkling tonic, or and nobody was really trying to own the word soda. So, in one of our taglines that's pinned on our Instagram, we unfucked soda. I'm sorry, can you cuss on this one? We unfed soda. Yeah. Um, Like it's You're it's good. because we really want to own the word soda. And own it in a way where nobody else really has. And that's for brain health and mental fitness, like you said. And there was business strategy in that decision. It just happened to be one where like, I needed it. Like, I, I I needed. I, I didn't want to eat any more ashwagandha gummies, dude. I'll eat the whole bag I feel like crap after. <laughs> and I wanted to drink soda. So I killed two, two birds with one stone and put like, combined those. But when you look at it from a business perspective... The mental, again, I I think I said this earlier, the mental fitness industry is three times the size of functional carbonated soft drink, 337 billion last year and functional carbonated soft drink was I think 117 billion. And they're both going to grow up plus 5% CAGR over the next five, seven years. So there's a rising need for it. And for me, the biggest thing I didn't even get into the marketing or the branding until the liquid was done was how do you make this thing taste undeniable? There's people that just, it's not for them. And there's there's going to be those people, but it was a matter of making the liquid taste good and remind people of the full sugar sodas they drank in the nineties or earlier. Or later
0: yeah v- Vasa, i think in terms of um you know just having that clarity and also knowing what to like lean into and what to go what grain to go against and what to lean into versus what the other brands doing that's really fascinating about the positioning right because like you were saying there's so many uh beverages that are coming out like oh we don't want to say the word soda uh we want to be something else we want to be pop we want to be this we want to be that because we don't want everything that goes with soda whereas as you're saying wait there's a lot of people that like soda we can lean into that and take that in our own direction. And all these little nuances that you're talking about from the branding to all these little decisions, that's what really formulates positioning. So I think this episode is like really fascinating. It's like a masterclass in terms of thinking through how you take your product, you figure out the, the market trends and all the decisions that you make to land at your positioning, right?
1: Yeah, it was super important because one, I think we touched on it earlier, Beverage is competitive, but dude, everything's competitive right now. And I didn't want to do something that wasn't meaningful to me. If I wanted to do something with, you know, cheap cogs and huge margins, you know, that's why everyone creates t-shirt companies, pay five bucks for it, charge 40 or whatever. And good for them. You know, if if it it hits, it hits. But for me, again, I, I was like, I always crack the joke with people. If I wanted this to be easy, I could have done a cheese cracker. There was a a time where cheese crackers were like just put the word keto on it and get Thomas DeLauer to sponsor it and you're going to be a million dollar, billion dollar company. That wasn't exciting to me. What was exciting to me was the challenge of beverage because everyone said it's too hard. You can't do this alone. You can't break through. And I I wouldn't say that I've broken through yet, but I could tell you that I'm making some noise in in a good way. And that was important to me to do something that was meaningful. I think that, that in and of itself is a way to separate from the pack is that this, this means everything.
2: I think, I think that, yeah, I agree with you. I think your why is so strong that it's, you know, it's motivating enough that when shit gets really tough and it's 11 PM at night and you get a text from your supplier that, you know, shit is hitting the fan of whatever you need to anchor to that. Why not to like, you know, the fact that it's a $300 billion interest in industry, because yes, although that's very cool, it's not going to be probably able to, enough to sustain you enough through those moments. I mean, like you said, there's a ton of competition everywhere. Even in software, there's like no code tools. Like anyone can just spin up a, a software company. And if you're wise, because it has 90% margins. Wait till shit hits the fan and yeah. we'll see.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like there's, I would say that beverage is competitive as hell. And this is probably gonna be too hot of a take. But the agency life right now is probably more competitive to me than the, what the beverage feels like because there's these part of the why i fought ugc creators is because damn like it's hard to land clients these days especially with like when you create content i'm not sure if you're feeling that too but there's there's a lot of people that do what gb does and in some ways i look back on how i positioned gb and it's a learning experience for me you know i didn't i didn't evolve fast enough i didn't hire tiktok creators fast enough and i was posting on tiktok in like 2019 like what the hell is this thing we even had musically when it's called musically we, we played with it at quest and we did well on it but like the positioning is everything, no matter what you do. Even as a human, you could probably create a, a positioning statement for yourself, you know? Yeah, totally.
0: No, I, I love that. And Vasa, as we wrap up here, um, you know, for our listeners, where can they find it? Where can they connect with you? Are you on your personally? Are you on different platforms like a Twitter, LinkedIn, that sort of thing? And where can they, you know, connect with the brand Perfy? Uh,
1: Vasa Martinez on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, Perfy is com tr- at drinkperfy on all socials. Um, pretty easy to find.
0: Sweet. Well, thanks for coming on the pod today. We learned a lot, uh, and love just the insight in terms of branding, positioning, and what you're building in the space. I think you're building with a lot, like there's just, it's such a fresh take on what, what you're building. So we're pumped to see you continue to grow. Um, and yeah, when let's let us know when you make it down to Miami. we Would love to run it back in the studio there. I know there's a ton of Web3 and uh, crypto stuff going on down in Miami. So when you're in town, let's run it back in person.
1: Absolutely, and a little uh, Easter egg for you. You'll be able to pick up Perfy in Miami in about five weeks. Oh, oh hell nice. yeah! And you'll be we'll, able to, we'll, this will be in store.
0: <laughs> 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 Only fitting. We'll, we'll we'll look out for it, and and looking forward to uh, to having you on again soon.
1: Hey, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.